This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wode, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. Alright guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal cast. We're going to call this the first episode of Paper Magic Apocalypse Edition, since Star City also canceled all their events through August. Today's topic, we're covering price suppression and why all of these reprints are bad for magic and it's dying. That may not be exactly what we're saying, but that's my stance and I'm sticking to it. That's fine. It's, it's, a, so, lot of, it's a lot of stance to take and I don't necessarily disagree with that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. Let's get started. Yeah. Uh, so the overall topic that uh long form is price suppression wrought by supplemental sets this was actually given to us by one of our patrons uh, bacon yep. bombs suggested this a couple of weeks ago when we solicited topics and we thought you know why not with the secret layers i think still needing to be spoiled we're still waiting on some double masters and we're getting m21 this is the perfect time to talk about supplemental sets which generally means reprints which also happens with the core set so we're just yeah. gonna kind of dive right in with this and supplemental sets are basically meant to do exactly what we're talking about which is to suppress the price of cards a lot of times it does work and it works gloriously especially when thing when the initial release of a card is supplemental based yep. so in a commander set for instance or modern horizons these very limited run releases and those cards do go from an initial printing high to a kind of future low and that's a card i'll talk about it's a card like that i'll talk about other times cards rebound pretty nicely and we can look at things like doubling season we can look at fetch lands we can look at karn liberated ugin these cabal coffers there we go yeah part of our topic today in in chat uh and yeah. these cards that are format staples across multiple formats are generally what you see bounce back. Uh, very rarely do you see middling cards. Cards like Painful Truths from Battle for Zendikar, you know, two black, two and a black sorcery with these, not Radiance, I can never remember the, you draw as many cards yeah. as you pay colorless. So you wind up, or pay in colored mono. So you wind up drawing three cards and losing three life. That card had a little bit of value and then got reprinted to the ground at supplemental sets and now it's nothing. Yep. And that's what we're and that's what we're here to discuss because that is the kind of downfall of MDG Finance is yeah. you buy into something that has reprint risk, it gets reprinted, and then demand either just can't pull it back out of this hole or it just becomes a perennial target and can never recover, and you've, you've lost at that point. Yeah, You essentially now have a bulk rare if you're looking at buy list or maybe something that's worth between 50 cents and a dollar in trade. Yep. So uh, the way I broke things out was I've got a couple of card examples. I'm kind of curious your thoughts on, on this kind of reprinting process and then. Yes. Yes. I, I, I'm curious what the cards are. I can't wait for this. Oh, oh okay. Okay. So, the first one I started with was a, a Fluctuator, actually, because this is an interesting tale. So, Fluctuator, <laughs> and specifically the Urza Saga uh, copy of the card. The Urza Saga copy of the card, prior to the Commander reprint, uh, as we can see on the graph on stocks, 
Saw a little bit of a jump with Amonkhet when cycling was essentially returned back to standard and then eventually drifted off into nothingness because cycling in EDH was and still kind of is not great. It keeps yeah. getting tools, it keeps getting pushed, but it is never really a card, or sorry, a theme that lasts that long. It lacks a lot of good finishers. You have to do a lot of work and spend a lot of mana constantly to finish the game out. Drakehaven and Amonkhet actually gave you a decent finisher. Every time you cycle a card, you can pay a colorless and make a 2-2 two, uh, blue flying drake. That's awesome. You know, When I play Xur the Enchanter, I actually play a cycling theme deck. That's one of my uh, finishers. Uh, the other one is the black enchantment that just, it's a drain and gain. Whenever you cycle a card, you pay yeah. one, all opponents lose two life, you gain two. Awesome. There's this wonky red finisher from Modern Horizons that is so bad, I don't even know what it does. And then the Jeskai cycling deck that we just deck that we just got has a little bit of help, but not a lot. Yeah. Fluctuator helps speed things along, though, because what Fluctuator, Fluctuator does is take care of all the cards from the original Urza's block that cycle for two colors, so they are effectively free. They, I don't want to say Watsi learned their lesson because cycling was not that great in that standard, but they they started giving cycling a colored cost, with which Fluctuator does not handle. It just allows you to go through all that old chaff quickly and easily. Okay, so why is Fluctuator an interesting tale? Well, we saw on the stocks graph, not only did it spike to over $30 when the theme of the Jeskai Commander deck that we just got was announced at cycling, it began to tank very quickly thereafter and i'm going to highlight this part of the graph if i can zoom in a little more and what we're seeing is that the market actually dips under the average and you think well okay based on these numbers this is a 15 dollar card uh average with a market of 22 but that's not actually the case what we're seeing from fluctuator is that this reprint has actually made fluctuator uh a 10 dollar card yeah the price on fluctuator has dropped all the way down to about $10 for a light play. You know, there's close to 10 below $10. This is a card that is going to be suppressed right now by this reprint because it was a card that was in desperate need of a reprint to avoid manipulation like we talked about last week. Yeah. So. And the interesting thing to me is also looking at the Commander 20 uh, graph, we're looking at a low of about a dollar right now. And the reason that I think this is an interesting case study about price suppression is specifically, as we talked about in a previous episode, the supply of Commander 20 is pretty low. Uh, we don't have a lot of that product being printed because of COVID. And I would expect, you know, looking, excuse me, long term at the fluctuator graph. So if you look at when Amonkhet hit and we had the spike, and the floor settled at about, uh, for a little bit there, five, six dollars. Well, now our floor is settling at about 10, which was basically market or average at the old spike. Mm -hmm. So the floor has raised on this. And I think, you know, this is an interesting <laughs> thing because to me, what I see here is a card that is so old, a lot of people didn't know it existed because there's not a lot of dinosaurs like me that played back in Urza Block. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some people are just Google everything they can, or, you know, gather or search everything they can find with cycling in it when they make a cycling deck. Yes. And some people don't know that cycling is really a thing until they see, oh, there's a cycling theme set. Mm -hmm. Now I should look into what there is. Yep. So when we talk about cards that, you know, this will come up, someone will search it in like five years and all of a sudden it explodes. Mm -hmm. Fluctuator is a great example of that. 
And when we had Amonkhet come out, you had people become interested in the card. People around that time kind of lost interest in magic because that was, you know, Amonkhet an hour were awful sets. And now Ikoria is admittedly one of the best-selling sets we've had in a long time. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden there's even more eyes on it now because we have Arena, and we didn't have Arena the way we do now when we had Amonkhet. Yep. So there's a lot more exposure to the game. There's more people that are getting into this. So in this case, I think long-term, the reprint actually helps it because it is an older card that people don't necessarily know exists. And bringing more eyes to it now, like you said, one, prevents manipulation because there's a cycling theme going on. And obviously it's prone to manipulation. And two, it gets more eyes on it. Mm -hmm. So while it's kind of manipulation proof, air quotes, it's not really manipulation proof, it at least mitigates yes. what could happen. Yep. Uh, whereas, you know, you see cards like Mongrel Pack right now that are spiked for no reason. Dogs are bad. There are very few good dogs in Magic. I'm sorry. But because we got a dog legend, all of this stuff is spiking. And printing something like Fluctuator in the Commander set makes it so that you don't necessarily have as bad a spike. And I think that as much as Wizards may want to say they don't pay attention to the secondary market, this is the kind of thing that is like, hey, a little bit of a nod. Yep. We don't want you guys mad. Take this. Yeah. I, I think the important thing, and you meant, uh, you touched on it uh, through my babbling, is that the reprint of Fluctuator is sitting between a dollar and $2 on TCG Player all day long. And mm-hmm. a delta of more than eight dollars is not going to be tenable for the saga version of this card yeah people are going to continue to buy the cheapest version so the saga one will continue to fall over time that's that's the suppression we're going to see we're going to be heading into shortly a second wave of commander uh, shortly is the wrong word we know there's going to be a second wave of commander uh decks yeah that are that's going to be released in time that will continue to push the price of this card down, of the Saga version. And eventually, these decks will sit on shelves, and that's going to just cement the fact that this reprint will keep down the price of the Saga version. This isn't a card that comes in foil, so you can't look for that avenue. You're just looking at two different versions, and you're you're not going to see a giant delta like this last that long. It's going to come in. I mean, looking, you know, zooming in on the graph, like you said, we had a spike of low being $31 on April 4th. Sure. Yeah. Well, now we're sitting at low at about 9.45 for the saga. So it's, you know, you get the hype of, oh, this is going to be a thing. This card could be worth money. And then, oh, it's reprinted. Never mind. So you saw from the 4th through the 6th, it halved from the spike. Yep. Absolutely. And... It, this is one of those things that I think is important to look at because this is what happens when you start to look at cards. You're like, okay, this is unique enough where the only way we're going to get it reprinted is in a supplemental set. Yeah. And here we are talking about exactly this. Fluctuator was just... To say it's a matter of time is kind of a bold statement because they gave us... Is it, uh, you picked the card and we... New perspectives? Yeah. So you can cycle for free? Yep. Yep. If you have seven or more, you can cycle for free. Yeah. You know, they gave us new perspectives, which is essentially a beefed up fluctuator with a condition. 
Yeah. You know, do you need Fluctuator in the deck anymore? Not really. Does the card need to be that price? Not really. It's just for the salts that want to own the Saga version or want to be weird degenerates and play the Legacy deck with it. But that can't. But because of this reprint, we're going to see that price suppression happen. End yeah. story. Yeah. Oh. Uh, what's next? Uh, Sun Titan. Oh, man. Sun Titan is... Uh, my second favorite Titan for EDH after the other example Titan I'm going to give you as to what price what price suppression really looks like. Unbanned primetime. Right, I mean, look, box. they banned primetime and wildfire at the same time. It's weird. These cards are bad. All right, so Sun Titan for almost every version of the card is effectively between one and three dollars. Well, how many versions of Sun Titan is that are there? Seven. Non corset. A non-promo version of Sun Titan. It has been reprinted seven times. It has been in yeah. Commander 2014, 15, 19, 20, com- uh, Anthology, in a dual deck, Arch Enemy. They keep reprinting Sun Titan in supplemental. Two core sets and pre-release, yep. yeah. Sun Titan is in 20% of all white decks, according to EDH Rec. 20%. Okay. My, the other Titan that's very that's easy to compare this one to, Brave Titan, is a twelve dollar card. Yep. Brave Titan has been reprinted two times outside of core sets in Commander twenty fourteen and Mystery Boosters. Otherwise, there's a similarly a media promo for this card. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it is represented in about. 7% of black decks, maybe 8% of black decks, according to EDH Rec. That is a huge difference in playability between these two cards. Yeah. Okay. Grave Titan, yes, did and does see play, does is in quote, in the mono black reanimator deck in Legacy. That uses. And Nick Fit. Like, I was going to say, and with like the deck. And then you have like. Uh, like things like Nick Fit, and you do have. Uh, I think sometimes Rakdos Reanimator tries to go long, and they have a weird glumpy sideboard for it. Yeah. Grave Titan does show up sometimes in Legacy, not enough to warrant a price tag four times more than Sun Titan. So what's going on? Suppression through reprint. Sun yeah. Titan sees over double the, the numbers in EDH. Sun Titan has been reprinted four times more than Grave Titan has. If Sun Titan hadn't been printed as much as it had been, maybe cut out one of these EDH reprints, it could have easily sustained a $5 to $7 price tag. Yeah. We're not talking like 10 to 12, because I understand that Grave Titan goes in zombie decks that are played in Kitchen Table, and that kind of stuff is hard to really represent when we're looking at this. Right. And because Grave Titan sometimes seems play in legacy sideboards, it's going to demand a little bit more of a price because of that all of a sudden it appeared kind of thing that Sun Titan doesn't get. I understand that. I don't expect these two to ever be equivalent. But the sheer number of times this card has been printed and almost, I think there's three art for this card now, including the media promo. I think the dual deck monsters got a new print. Yep. Yeah. It got the Acroan looking... Uh, yeah. Print. Yep, and it only com- that one only comes in foil, and it's a th- a three dollar foil. This is another 
to me, another good example of suppression through supplemental and almost purely through su through the commander supplementals. Yeah. Not through a master set, not through a draft product or something like conspiracy. This is solely yeah. done through the population of commander reprints. And I, I think the interesting thing there is when you look at the scale of those reprints, it's not like commander sets are produced as much as, you know, a core product. Um, so, but it shows that it doesn't take a lot for something to be suppressed to, you know, bulk effectively, uh, depending on the playability of the card. I know there's a lot of people, I mean, there's some talk, an example from Core 21, uh, which I think will be heavily suppressed as there's vendors talking about Grim Tutor and saying that it's going to be a $40 card. And they like, well, you know, at least I only have one or two of these because I never wanted more than one or two because yeah. they're real liquid. But, you know, I, I think that in the short term, yeah, Grim Tutor is not going to be worth a whole lot of money, but it's also getting printed into Modern and Pioneer. Mm -hmm. And you have to take that into account as well. But we also don't know how big Core 21 is going to be. Yeah. Point is, though, you know, that price is going to drop. So... If anyone's been eyeing it for a while, well, it soon will be your time to pounce, but I'll touch on that later. Yep. Uh, the last card I have is somehow worse than Sunday. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's Chaos Warp. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the tuck rule change. That was terrible. I mean, say what you want about the tuck rule change. Chaos Warp was a card, I, like... You can see it on stocks. This is as old as it goes, 2013, downtrending from about $6 prior to return to rev. This card was over $25 at one point in time because yep. it was only printed in the first commander set. Okay. From there, it's been in... The only commander set it has missed since... There's two, 2013 and 2015. Otherwise, it's been in them all. It's been in, in anthologies. It's in commander's arsenal. And it's in mystery boosters. They have proven that this card will be in every commander set that can, that can support it. And they will do nothing to ensure that this card gets into the hands of players. Because it's a very unique effect in red. And it deals cleanly with permanent types that red natively cannot deal with. I uh, forget yeah. exactly why it was being played in Legacy at that point in time. And required that price tag. What enchantment was running Roughshod that stopped Burn? But here you are. This is the solution to that problem. So, uh, Chaos Warp is in twenty percent and in twenty-seven percent of decks that can house it, in ED, according to EDH Rec, and almost every version of this card is again somewhere between two and three dollars. Now, again, this is only Commander products that have done this. Twenty percent of red decks house this card. It does see play in Legacy from time to time. If you want to stay mono red and burn, you don't want to play a lot of fetch lands and thus Grim Lava Mancer, you do play this card. But it really depends on what's going on with the format. It's a clean answer to uh, Merit Lage, but you only get yeah. one turn's worth of reprieve, right? So it, it's kind of dicey there on what you want to do. The other card from the first Commander set that follows a very similar price trend but has not seen as many reprints and its price crashes due primarily to lack of playability is Scavenging Ooze. Oh boy, Scav that card was the money card mm -hmm. out of that when it was released. Uh, I think that one crept up close to 50 for yep. the Commander version before it was in the core set 
later that summer. I can't. Yeah. I don't remember. Uh, the was, t- or no, the next year. 14. Yeah. It, had it, was, to be, it was a couple years later because it came out in like late 2012 or early yeah. 2013, I think. And then we got it. It's very hard for me to place in time where the first Commander set was because I remember playing it once and then that was that. Um, yeah. Scavenging Ooze was on a similar price trajectory and then got reprinted into Standard. But the fact that it holds a $6 price tag now instead of something over 10 is due primarily to playability. Yeah. It, Scavenging Ooze has not been reprinted this many times. But I'm pretty sure there was a point in time, if we take a look at the graph, you can actually see that Chaos Warp ducks down to yeah. almost, a, uh, probably close to a dollar, or it's heading there now. This card has just well, been reprinted into Oblivion via supplementals, and it will never rubber band. And if anything pulls it out of the, the funk it's in, it's going to be that they release a foil version. Yeah. And even then, that's a completely different price graph than what we're seeing. So, I think for me... Uh, the card that I would point to as suppression uh, would actually be, of all things, something that's kind of counter to it. And okay. that would be Eternal Witness. Now, the interesting thing about Eternal Witness, so if you take a look at even the low graph, uh, it's eternally been like 3 to $5. And then you go over to EDH Rec and you see why. Even now... It's in 34% of decks. Then it has modern playability. Yep. Then it has legacy playability. And it goes back to the old adage of playability being king. Not to mention, it's an uncommon, and it's something that goes in literally every green deck, more or less. And so what this says to me is, okay, looking at what's going to be suppressed in Core 21, to get back to what I think that, and especially Double Masters, Oh boy. Meets for price suppression because I did not even gonna get started. Anyways. Um when you look at cards in Core 21, you look at cards in double masters that are getting reprinted or any master set really. Mm-hmm. What are we looking at rebound wise? Well, the playability is king. The more playable a card is, the more likely it is to rebound. Blight Steel sees play in EDH and Kind of vintage sometimes, uh, which doesn't really count. I, no offense, vintage players. I'm among your ranks. We have very little influence on, on you like, know, what like prices have. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then you look at EDH rec, Blight Steel's in 2% of decks. So to me, this price is tied more to scarcity than it is to playability. Yep. So if we get a bunch of double masters, this price is going to be real suppressed. Oh, yeah. Whereas I, I want to oh, point sorry, out, I think we have an easy parallel too in Massacre Worm. Yeah, uh, Massacre we, Worm is a prime example. We know that's in M twenty one. The Massacre Worm set art will be the same art. The full art is going to be different if that leak is correct, and it is yeah. in three percent of decks on EDH Rec that can house it. Yeah, for a seventeen plus dollar card. And you're also looking at New Phyrexia, which at the time uh, wasn't exactly a popular set because this was during Callblade, and nobody wanted to play Magic. So Yeah, uh, SOM, but still, we're in the middle of the block. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, And so we're kind of looking at, you know, not only did we have, you know, a low print run, we had low exposure, 
these are things that contribute to a high price point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the one thing I would look at then is, well, what about, you know, Grim Tutor? You look at Grim Tutor, obviously Starter was not a high print run set. I Very few sets out there. Yeah. Fine. 1% of decks is what it's in. Well, when you go to Card Kingdom, it's now, you know, with $55 for pre-order on their website for the Core 21 version. Well, uh, that price is based on scarcity. So you'll see, depending on print run, obviously, suppression of the price short term. But on something like this, because of its effect, to me, yeah, it's never going to be $180 again. But it'll always be 60 to 70 until it gets reprinted again. Yeah. So, you know, when you're looking at cards to move in on when a new set comes out, because it's going to suppress it, and all of these reprints, and I'll say it again, are bad for magic. Uh, <laughs> when, when you look at these, all right, well, I'm going to get in because it's going to rebound. Make sure you have a timeline. Whatever that timeline is. Mm-hmm. Make sure you have it, and don't be afraid to jump that parachute out early. Yeah. Sometimes you have to, and that's okay. Yep. I, I think timeline and know your audience slash where your demand is uh, also really important. I think uh, of note, the mention of Grim Tutor being illiquid is extremely important. This is a very high-profile reprint into a standard set, but Grim Tutor isn't even Vampiric Tutor. Yeah. And... Anybody who owns or has owned a Grim Tutor in the past, generally speaking, has pro- has owned it for most likely vintage-related reasons. Where at one point in time you needed Grim Tutor to to give you additional avenues to combo with Storm. You didn't have yeah. past in flames yet. You needed something else for your Tutor chains. After it I- faded out of that format, it faded as a playable card. It's legacy legal. Yeah. The only place I've seen it see play in years, uh, and I was one of the guilty party, is people in CEDH that played it. And it was typically the first tutor to get cut. Yeah. If if you only wanted, you know, if you had to cut a tutor, you cut Grim Tutor before Mystical, before Vampiric, before Demonic. Because three mana... And three life was huge when you're running at Nas. So it's it's something that it's it's interesting to see because I obviously we're going to see supply grow exponentially on this. Mm-hmm. But it harkens back to what we've been saying and I've been saying and you've been saying and anyone with a brain has been saying. If you want to invest in magic, invest in the RL. If you want to be a vendor hold on to cards exactly long enough to turn them into dollar bills. Yeah. Yep. And I, this is one of those things, too, where... And we can probably just roll this into picks at some point. Yeah. While we stick to Grim Tutor. This is a card that is... close to being the weakest of what it does between tutors that cost one and four mana. If you're going to scale all black tutors between one and four mana, this is probably close to the bottom of of the pile. And it's Mystique. 
more so than anything else that's carrying this card right now, especially yeah. for the M21 price. The yeah. starter price, you know, that neither here nor there because as we talked about starter, you know, uh, P3K, these sets have such little supply that cards are going to have a price based on scarcity, especially anything that does anything remotely interesting. Zodiac yeah. Dragon does nothing to earn its price tag besides be rare. Yeah. At least, Zodiac Dog. Look, at least Zhao He Dun got a reprint as a judge promo, and that clobbered the price of that card. Boy, did it. Clobbered. And that's a great example of a small print run card that gets a small print run replacement and gets destroyed. I don't even know how to spell that. Z-H? Uh, X-I-A-H-O-U. Shahudun. Play a lot of Dynasty Warriors. All right. Uh, yeah. But it's it's a prime example of, you know, it's not very playable. It's priced because of scarcity. And by no means am I saying that's what's going to happen with Blightsteel or Grim Tutor because those cards are eminently more playable than Jahudun. Yeah. But good example. Yeah, just one of the, somebody mentioned it with the um yeah, the the dice trigger now with the the commander yeah. is getting a change and things like uh Jahudun gets a bump because of this, but you can see this the price graph on stocks just tumble 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 recover for seemingly unreason uh sorry, no reason and then drop back down all because of a judge promo. That'll also bring up same art. They just foiled it. The judge yep. promo grew, but it was twenty five dollars when it came out, and now yeah. and it's just about twenty five dollars less than the portal version. But this is a card that had no use, even no. after the reprint. It might be a little bit better now with the commander rules change. We might see the price of the judge promo float up. Solely mystique. Yep. All right. Picks. Do we want to? Yes. Stick on topic. I'll, I'll lead All right. with mine, then. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I was going to get to picks later. Well, here it is. My pick, Grim Tutor. Yep. That's it. Grim Tutor Core 21. Don't think you can lose, really. The card is way too good. Uh, I would expect the interesting thing for me is you're looking at an unknown print run, unknown open, amount because we're not going to have limited for this so it's basically what vendors and what players open and then makes its way to the marketplace so well, you've got to caveat vendors too vendors are only going to open to demand yeah so it's it's not going to be quite as broad and timeline wise i don't know when i'm going to pounce but i know i'm going to pounce okay and i would expect it's probably release day when it's a race to the bottom on tcg player uh, just my expectation there. That was going to be my question because when we talked about picks initially, I had listed the the prices being ninety nine listed, but a market of forty nine. Just because somebody was split the difference essentially. Yeah. And I was curious what your entry price would be, but I guess we have to wait similarly for Core 21 like we did at Corea, which is just eventually people will load singles yeah. over time. 
And like for, for me, my point of entry, like I can tell you right now, is going to be sub $30 okay. if I can get it. If I look on release day and at about 2 o'clock, we've got quantities below 30, I'm going to buy as many as I can. Okay. If we have quantities sub 40, but none sub 30, I'll buy less, but I'll definitely buy some. And then, you know, go in as I see them, as I can trade them out, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, because I do think legitimately, long term, this is a 60 to $80 card from the core set even. Yeah. So getting in 30 to 40 isn't terrible. I, I think Mystique props up this card. I just want to say, like, this... I. I bought one for Vintage for exactly the reasons I mentioned earlier in this cast. I, I'm a Storm player, through and through. Yep. I needed that Grim Tutor before passing Flames was a thing. I abhor this card. <laughs> you can pay one colorless more and three life less with Diabolic Tutor and Uncommon <laughs> to do the exact same thing. I abhor Grim Tutor as a card. I hate that I had to buy it to play it. A deck that I wasn't able to play competitively, but I'm glad I own the the starter version. Yeah, I I've never had the chance to play the card in EDH. I think I have cast Diabolic Tutor before, and I didn't feel dirty. I Fair. might stick to my guns, but I do I do like thirty dollars as an entry point for this card, especially if it picks up anywhere else. There yeah. there is a point where you can, if we get Modern back as a playable format in paper, where this slots into decks that just have a really nice curve and can cast it on two reliably, that yeah. it becomes a very efficient and very powerful card. Something like that. Even in Pioneer, because we have Lanoir Elves yeah. there, and if the last part of this leak... Yeah, if the last part of yeah. this leak is true, we'll get Birds of Paradise, our second chromatic... Uh, mana producer yeah you'll be able to cast this on too in that format as well and i think that's when the card shines is when you're able to cast it on cast it on two, <clears throat> get what you need and have a very strong deck behind you to do it you have to modern yeah. obviously has a bunch of combo decks you're not really playing this in control you might play nope. a, co a copy or two in mid-range just to go fish for singletons and the same thing yeah. in pioneers the although less combo that involves black because we only have and somebody out there, correct me if I'm wrong, it's just the Lotus Field combo deck. There's nothing yeah. running around that isn't effectively base blue for combo. No, not really. But, I mean, Storm is base blue, and Lotus Field is base land. I guess, yeah. But mostly blue. Oh, so, yeah, you yeah. have to play all those Twiddles, right? It's like effectively Twiddle, yeah. Storm, and Pioneer, so you're running a lot of blue. But the green-black deck in every form in Pioneer is a decent deck. This yeah. one's slot in. Sure could. And I think 25 entry to pick up a handful somewhere between 4 and 8 isn't, isn't a bad way to handle it. But for me, I, I, no. I'd be so nervous if there's no action on this card. I don't think you get hosed at that price ever. Because I don't think this... It, this is a, a selling point for this set. Don't think they're going to yeah. reprint it again. And they're just going to let it rot. Yeah. And that, that's kind of why I set 30 is on, you know, I don't think there's a way that I f you can feasibly lose yeah. at 30 for an effect like this. I mean, I know Vampiric <laughs> Tutor just hit 100 bucks till next reprint when it goes down to 60 yeah. and then goes right back up to 100. But I, I'm really comfortable with it at 30, even if I get, you know, 50 or 60 of them. 
still fine with it. Yeah, I, if if that that number worries me, but if it, <laughs> I can't I can't stop you for trying. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I'm just having a problem dealing with that card. Eh, that's it. That's just. <laughs> Fair. my feelings for this card are really clouding this conversation and i want to apologize <laughs> that's fine so what do you got what's yours uh my pick is way more casual uh my pick is uh march of the multitudes I, a card i picked more than like six hours before they spoiled uh pupper march of the multitudes the, to the convoke token generator from guilds of ravnica Oh, that A yeah, plus that card. Is, that yeah. that is much more casual. And <clears throat> saw play for like a hot week in standard. Yep. Yeah. So I was uh, taking a look at, at at cards that I thought were just underrepresented in standard that had a position and were playable in EDH that actually had a bit of a population. And the one thing I like about March of the Multitudes was that, and this is going to sound ridiculous, but the price trend is uh, when I you know, looked at this card and wrote everything down, it was trending downward despite having decent playability in EDH. And now the the numbers on Rec aren't great. It's only 3% of the decks that can support it. But the thing is, not every green-white base deck plays this card, so I'm fine with the benefit of the doubt here. What I yeah. like about the, a downward... Pre, a, what I liked at the time about a downward trending graph and the commanders in particular that it's played with within EDH is that this means that if we were to get any additional token generators in M21 or even moving forward after the set rotates, this card picks up. Yeah. Right. So the, the generals on this thing are all over the place in terms of uh, playability. You have things like Tristani's, which are super pillow 40. You have things like Rith, which are much more competitive. Hasses on Tamar, fairly competitive. So you're looking at a card that kind of spans the gamut. And this is a card that just makes a ton of tokens, and those can, those span that gap of uh, competitiveness. So this is a card that I was expecting to continue to drop, and then I would move in on eventually, because a mythic like this for several, or not even several, for a dollar or two, just seems, you know, pretty choice. They are attributing the Convoke keyword again to Ravnica, which kind of tells us that it's really locked here and then core sets. So we shouldn't really see this outside of supplementals. A core set are going back to Rav again because apparently that stone still has blood to squeeze. Boy, the, does it. The thing that helps me out here with this pick is that later that day after I you know, made my, my, uh, my notes public is that they released Rin and Seri inseparable. This is a brand new commander in M21. Uh, whenever you cast a dog spell, create a 1-1 one, one green cat. Whenever you cast a cat, create a 1-1 one, one dog. And then it has an ability that costs just this, uh, a red, green, white. To, you tap it, it deals damage to any target equal to the number of dogs you control. You gain life equal to the number of cats you control. And so people are freaking out about this card, right? Well, the key Mirror is... Entity. Yes, exactly. Mirror Entity. When you're playing aggressive strategies like this and you're playing token-based decks, obviously Ney is not really the way to go unless, unless Rith is your general. And the further you investigate Rith, you see that Mirror Entity goes alongside it and some of the other competitive uh, decks like that. And I'll bring this up if I can quickly. Uh, 
mirror entity turns all your creatures into every creature type. Okay, so using mirror entity, you can turn all the tokens you generate into dogs and cats. Pretty great. So eventually, people are going to put all this together with Rin, and we're going to kind of see a double pump on this card. And the CK CK's buy list kind of confirms this. The foil price went up. The number of copies of foils they're buying went up, and despite the fact that the their buy price on March stayed the same all weekend. The number of copies they're buying actually went up. They're buying over 30 right now. They're buying somewhere in the low 20s late last week. So there is at least a little bit of demand on CK for this card. The other thing that's interesting about this compared to other token generators like White Sun Zenith or Decree of Justice is those cards scale with the amount of mana that you have. March of the Multitudes has Convoke. It scales on top of those cards. So if if yeah. we're playing a heads-up game, and at the end of your turn, I cast, you know, White Sun Zenith and leave up green double white, I can then cast March of the Multitudes, convoking all the cats I just made, and now I have all those 1-1s one -ones on top of it. And that should end the game there. If not, then you're going to look at cards like Coat of Arms and Elish Norn to finish things out. And again, those cards span the gamut of compatibility. Yeah. So this is a card that lends itself effectively to any kind of token deck being played in Commander that starts with green and white. Which it turns out is most, most token of decks them. because yeah. those are the colors that love tokens besides red. Goblin yep. tokens are a thing. And even if you want to be super pillow forty with something like Tristani Discordant, this generally speaking, this is found in that deck. Over fifty percent of Tristani Discordant decks play this one as um the uh, the older Tristani, it's a, a little over twenty percent. So you're looking that because these make tokens this makes tokens with lifelink yeah that you can just yep. ford up behind a couple of these little guys and then buy it back later yeah which is pretty great i don't know if we're going to see a reversal on price from just the general down down tick now that we have that new nea commander but this is a card that i feel fine buying somewhere between 10 and 20 of right now for you know two or so dollars a piece as many as yeah. I can find uh, under, I'd say three fifty, just because that'll probably be uh, where the glut is on TCG Player. I'd buy as many as I could under that as an eventuality, because this is a card yeah. that no standard play is going to rotate in a couple months, but the this commander is going to keep it keep focus on this card. Pretty good. I, I definitely like this pick. Like you said, it's a casual pick, especially when it comes to foils. Unless it's printed in Double Masters, we're not going to see it again. Uh, it's also from, you know, the Ravnica set, which was opened into the ground, which leads to a little bit of price suppression. But I yep. think that can be a good thing, yes. because when you recognize a good target that is suppressed in price, you can make a pretty good amount from it. It's true. Uh, like, you know, I've been harping on this for ages, uh, Unbound Flourishing is now buy listing for five to six dollars in some places, and the foils are about fifteen to eighteen. I was just going to mention so, Unbound Flourishing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just checked. Miniature Markets paying seventeen fifty on foils, five fifty on nons. Card Kingdoms at four fifty and sixteen fifty. Uh, so that it's coming there, mm -hmm. and this is the type of thing that you could see. March of the Multitudes is a casual EDH effect, similar to Flourishing. All right, there's a bunch out there. Let's start picking them up. And especially with foils, you have a pretty low reprint risk. Yep, agreed. 
I think and I think that's a good point to make. Just I generally don't look at foils, so it's not something I, I think of when I'm looking at my specs. So thank you for that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I think that that's as we get more and more into reprint territory, and yes, we get those atrocious VIP boosters uh, with a million foils, half of which are lands uh, coming out. Yeah. So sometimes you may have to worry about it, but you know, whatever. That's they, I think it's worth targeting for sure. Uh, but I think that's going to be it for this week, guys, unless you have anything else. Uh, real quick, I do want to give a shout-out to Cabal Coffee Cafe. They sent me a bunch of mountain goats, including oh, yeah. this altar that they did. Follow them on the gram. It's Cabal Coffee Gram 1. Fair. Or Cabal Coffee Gam 1. That's yes. them. They're great. Yep. Uh, also on Twitter, we have a, um, a topic from them that we'll pull eventually. Uh, yep. Other than that, we pulled our uh, Ikoria Box winner, which will be... Which will be we will uh, announce shortly. There it is. I know we didn't yeah. get it to, to it last week. We were just kind of uh, in a small panic mode because one of us decided to wander out and protest. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that's perfectly fine. It was yeah. the <laughs> having to post it, it, bail later. <laughs> yeah, post bail. That was the problem. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Guys, we'll have another great topic for you next week. And we are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, Patreon, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher. Stitcher, yeah. Uh, I am at Halt I Am Reptar. You are at Thirsty Sizzler. We'll see you next week. See See you.